Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good morning, church. Nice to be speaking and sharing with you all today. It's been a couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, we had Pastor Mike share about his journey, about faith. Uh, Really good. We did a bit of a question and answer, and that was uh, really beneficial to where we are at. I did the first few weeks. Peter did the first week. Um, Feels like a long time ago. I think that was the last time we were in church, maybe. And then last week, we had just a great week of encouragement from lots of people, lots of leaders in our church. So what I want to do now, because I haven't shared for a couple of weeks, I want to do a little bit of a recap because there's there's so many big areas that are important for us to read about, learn, believe, embrace, and apply when it comes to living a life of signs, wonders, and miracles. It's not just a half-hearted, yeah, I'll give it a go thing. It's really important that we understand that it's an intentional, on-purpose journey that is required. It's an earnestly pursuing that is required. And I said it a couple of weeks ago, it really does require an obsession to live this life. Not striving, not performing for love or feeling obligated, but an obsession to go after what he's freely made available for us. So as we recap, there'll be some new thoughts that I want to share. I want to share a few more testimonies about my life. And I, and I feel that this is going to encourage us um, as we're continuing on, as we're hungry and humble, exposing ourselves to this and really growing in this area of signs, wonders and miracles. So just a little bit more about my journey and some key components, some key areas, some critical steps that were important in me seeing this as a regular part of my life. So identity is obviously, it's got to start there. Truly encountering perfect love, truly encountering the character and nature of Jesus. Understanding that I wasn't striving for, working for, or performing for his love, that I was loved and accepted first and foremost before I did anything. That's That was a critical point. I can't start to pray for people and live a sustained, consistent life of power and authority if I don't understand that I'm not striving for love, working for victory, that I'm working from victory, that I'm living from victory, from love, from being fully accepted. That's my launching pad. So that's a critical part, the identity, my relationship with the Lord, that he's never had a bad thought about me. That's first and foremost. And then what comes out of that confidence of how he sees me is the why not me statement. Well, because of how you see me and how you've set everything up, why not me? Why can't I see this? If Paul and Peter can, and Peter was a mess, and Paul was a psychopathic serial killer, then why not Justin Box, a kid from Dingley? Why not me? Why can't I see the things that you saw Jesus when you said I could do greater? So that was a really important part of my journey is why not me? Which really came out of the plan of God that has really been communicated clearly through the scriptures, which was that God's people are meant to reach God's people through his power, through his teaching, through his ability, through his grace, through his kindness, through his love. That the plan of God actually is for his people to reach his people. So the why not me statement really came out of the plan of God that was intrinsically put inside of me. 
that was marked within me, that this was his plan. So that's why I started having the thought, why not me? Because it's his idea that it's you, that it's me to reach people. I love that. But then we've got to understand that the plan of God doesn't make any sense. The plan of God doesn't actually work unless there's a will of God. So we've first got identity, then we've got the why not me, which comes out of the plan of God, but the plan of God really comes out of the will of God. If there's no will of God, then there's no plan of God required. The word will means heart desire, what God desires to happen. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's saying, I want you to pray like this. I want you to pray that my kingdom comes and my heart desire happens. I want you to pray like that. That's a really big deal. So my opinion is that Jesus came to reveal the Father and he, re- he came to reveal the will of God. He came to reveal the heart of the Father. He came to reveal what God wants to happen. He came to reveal what God wants every single person on the planet to experience. And I just want to read some scriptures around that, around the will of God. Because if there's no will of God, then as I said, there's no plan of God. And I don't have to say, why not me? John 14, 9 to 10, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus was the will of God manifest on the earth. I love it. Hebrews 1, 3, Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. John 4, 34, what an amazing scripture. Jesus said to the disciples, hey, I don't need food right now. Thanks for offering, guys. My food is to do the will of the Father who sent me and accomplish his work. That's a really key scripture for us because it's saying that, hey, what fuels me is to do the will of God. So it's multifaceted. There's fuel, there's purpose, there's a reason that there's the thing that brings him the most passion and joy. That's doing the will of the Father. But secondly, we have to see right there really clearly that Jesus' heart, plan, him being on the earth, the reason and purpose was to do the will of God. So everything that Jesus taught and did was the will of God. So when we say, what's the will of God? How do we know the will of God? Oh, that's easy. It's in the life of Jesus. Everything he taught and did is the will of God. Everything that Jesus taught and did is the will of God. Because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So my journey, really importantly, identity, critical, crucial. We can't move on unless we get that. Encountering the character and nature of Jesus. Then that morphs into, why not me, God? There's something in me. Why not me? Why was that put in me? Because it's the plan of God for him to use you to reach people. And then out of that has to come this, okay, well, why, why, why? It's the will of God. The plan of God comes out of the will of God. This is really important for us. And it was really important for me to see everything that I've seen over the last 10 years. So they're the four things. Identity, why not me? The plan of God and the will of God. And then we move into power and authority. Understanding the things that he not only expects and teaches, but then he helps us to do it. So now we move into five and six, which is power and authority and understanding prayer and declaration, which we've been teaching on. So I just want to hit this super quick, and then I'll share some testimonies about this journey. Power and authority has been given to us. It's not going to be given. It's not going to be given when we understand all this truth and doctrine and and we get our lives right. No, no. 
power and authority has been given to us. Luke 9.1. Now he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and the power to heal diseases. Love that. Matthew 10.1. Similar. Jesus summoned his 12 together, his 12 disciples together, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. Really clear, really good. I love it. So he's given us power and authority. Remember the word power. It means, it's the Greek word dunamis, and it means miracle working power, and it also means the word ability. So he's, he's given us the ability to perform miracles. The word power means ability, and it means miracle working power. You have received miracle working power. Why? So that you can see miracles, signs, and wonders. He's given you the ability to do it. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean he hasn't given you the ability and the power and the means to do it. Authority means the right over something. If you read Luke 9.1 again, it says, Now he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and the power to heal diseases. That's critical. Over. You've been given the right over something. What's the something? Everything that is opposite to the kingdom of God. It's really clear. God good, devil bad. The list of bad, discouraging, really, really disgusting, yuck stuff is all the devil, all bad. You've been given the right over that. You've been given the keys to the kingdom, Matthew 16, 19. Whatever you forbid will be forbidden. Whatever you permit will be permitted. What's that about? It's about authority. Keys represent authority. You've been given keys. Peter was given keys. It's a really big deal. Power and authority. I had to grow in power and authority. First reading about it through the word of God, because that perfectly beautifully articulates what God is like and is the source of all truth. The word of God is God inspired and God breathed. So I've got to believe and receive and read and learn, but then I've got to apply it. It must be all three. We can't just magically wait for faith to appear. One day we wake up and we've got faith. No, no. It's reading, it's learning, it's praying, it's encountering, it's worshipping, it's understanding, it's reading different perspectives, and then it's stepping out and checking where your belief's at. It's critical. I love it. But then from power and authority. So we've got identity. We've got why not me. We've got the plan of God. Then we've got the will of God. We've got to understand all these things, believe all these things, and apply all these things. And then we move into power and authority. Believing, reading, learning, and applying that. But then what we find is power and authority actually manifests in a certain way. And I spoke about how prayer and declarations is critical where we are at in our belief. It shows us where we are at, what comes out of our mouth when we pray, what comes out of our mouth when we're faced with demonic activity, the, the dead, when we're when we're faced with um, really horrible circumstances, what do we do? I tell you what, the prayer and the declarations and stuff that comes out of your mouth is the greatest evidence of where you are at with your faith and belief. So this is an important next step. Number six, understanding the difference between prayer and declaration. To understand that we do not pray for sickness, disease, demonic torment, or raising the dead. We do not pray for sickness, disease, demonic torment, or raising from the dead. Because the word prayer is being with God, face-to-face, 
giving him our life and telling him what he's like and what we need and communion and relationship and intimacy. That's what the word prayer is. That's what Jesus did when he went away to pray with the Father. He wasn't making declarations. He was being with God, his Father. But then when we see declarations, it's not about intimacy. It comes from intimacy, but it's not intimacy. It's not asking a question. It's not pondering with the Lord about what he's like and what he thinks about a situation. No, no, it's not the time for questions. Authority manifests in declarations in a time of need and in a critical moment where someone needs to be raised from the dead, when disease exposes itself, when the demonic exposes itself. Jesus did not question what the father was like in prayer and conversation when he pulled the boy out of the coffin. No, no, Peter didn't do that in Acts 9 with the girl, Tabitha. He didn't do that. He prayed and encountered the father and then he turned to her in Acts 9 and said, little girl, I say, get up. So Peter prayed and worshipped separate to the time that people needed authority and power. But then when he was in that moment, he didn't pray. He commanded, he rebuked, he spoke to. And Jesus was the same and he's called us to do the same. It's really important that we learn this. It was really important that I learned this. So this process, these six steps, identity, why not me, the plan of God, the will of God, power and authority, and then understanding that prayer and declarations are very different and they expose beautifully what we believe. I love it. Recap. That was the recap. Okay, so in the remaining 10 minutes, I want to share a little bit about my journey. I I, I spoke about how we were reading and learning and applying over at Bethel. We did School of Ministry and Lee and I were passionate about reading and learning and believing and embracing and applying. And all of these six things were happening all the time. But it came to a point where we finished school and we said to each other, this cannot end in school. If we don't apply it, it just leads to religion. Religion is form without power. It's it's principles without presence and power. It's man's attempt to get results. It's man's attempt to please God. And we don't want to be stuck in it. Regardless of what denomination you're in, religion is always possible. Even in revival culture, we can have religion come in and it's form without power. It's familiarity. It's, yeah, yeah, I've seen all this, but actually there's nothing coming out of our life. There's no power. There's no miracles. There's no signs. There's no healing. There's no deliverance. There's no raising the dead. There's no signs following those that believe. And we get into that place really quick when we lose hunger, when we lose humility, when we allow distraction to come, which causes brief faith and causes worry, stress and fear and anxiety and depression and and all the rubbish that the enemy wants to put on you. And we lose the simple gospel, the real Christian life, which is meant to be a life of joy and worship. And even in the middle of challenge, Consider it pure joy and just having people speak in and being encouraged and going through the stuff together and stepping out. And it's this one big, amazing Christian life. It's not meant to be compartmentalized with, oh, that's signs and wonders over there. And this is just the Christian life here. And that's for other people. No, no, it's meant to be all in Inclusive. And Lee and I were passionate that we didn't want to end up in familiarity, just saying, yeah, I've observed this, Bill and Chris doing it. I've seen a little bit on the missions trip, and then we just don't have anything follow our life, and we just go back to reading the Bible and trying to be a good girl and a good boy, and nothing happens. We didn't want that. So we had to pursue it earnestly. We had to be obsessed with it. 
So we, we did that. We said, we're going on a 40-day holiday. Let's approach one person every day in some way to minister to them. And we did that, and we saw so many good things. So just in the remaining moments, I want to share with you about one day and how this is actually meant to encourage us in our life. That so often we think that the kingdom of God is linear. We think the kingdom of God is one, two, three, four, five, six, and so on. So often in life, we think the kingdom of God is one plus one equals two. Because logic and sense speaks to us that one plus one equals two. And that if I need petrol, I get petrol and then the car works. If I pay the bills, then the electricity won't turn off. If I do this, then that will happen. We live with cause and effect, and often cause and effect is a linear thing. If I do this, then that will happen. But so much of the kingdom is not like that. And we've got these three beautiful things that we feel are really important for us. It's the how of our church, presence, health, and influence. Now, if we take a natural stance to these things, we will think that presence, health, and influence is linear, meaning one equals the next and then the next. So if I do presence well and encounter him, then I'll be healthy. And then when I'm healthy, I can approach people. And that's true in some settings and it's noble and appropriate. That does make sense that you're not going to approach people if you're not healthy. And if you're not healthy, you probably haven't encountered the, the, the presence and the power and the character and nature of God. That's known and that's great, but it's not always the case. And if we get into a way of thinking where it's always linear and it's always presence equals health equals influence, we are rarely going to do the influence thing. And I want to really encourage you that Jesus said in John 3, 34, my food is to do the will of the Father. It's really important that this Christian life is not meant to be, as I said, compartmentalized, that it's this over there and that over there. No, no, no. It's meant to be everything. That the kingdom of God is not linear. It's up and down, left and right, working round and round. And I really believe that the influence element is meant to be just as important as the presence and the health. And they're meant to be all working together. So much so that influence brings fuel to your life. That seeing miracles brings excitement and joy and passion and, and, and fuels your life. That it's not just the worship that fuels your life, but it's the you stepping out in boldness and in signs, wonders, and miracles fuels your life. Jesus modeled, he said, hey, my food, my what brings me reason and purpose and passion and excitement and significance, that actually is the fuel for my life. So I want us to shift our mindset that it's not just a linear thing, that when I do that, then I'll get to there. It's meant to be an all-inclusive thing. And of course, we've got to be self-aware. Of course, we've got to be having great people speak into our life of where we're at, that presence is happening and health is happening. But I want to challenge you that the influence element is often left until we feel that we're qualified. And that's a lie. So just in the remaining five minutes, I just want to share with you about day 16 of our trip. It was an amazing day and we'd seen so many great things up until that moment. But how it started is we got out of the boat and we went jet skiing. Don't you love that the kingdom is meant to be just part of our life? Not at the end of a church service, not when we're on, but just part of our life. So I'll pump through these really quickly in the remaining five minutes. So a lady acknowledged, um, sorry, not acknowledged, 
uh, just mention that her knees were sore and she couldn't walk around the town. Anyway, Lee offered to pray for her. She laid hands on the lady, declared pain to leave, and we went off and didn't hear any more from her. Four hours later, we bumped into the lady um, after she'd been walking around the town all day and the lady said to us, thank you for praying, there is no way I could have done that. Come on! After we prayed for that lady, before we found out the testimony, I went up to a group of people at a taxi rank, five of them. And I tell you what, this is day 16, I would not have done this on day one, but the confidence was up. And I went up to them and I said, this is wild. I said, hey guys, who needs healing? Because Jesus has been healing people. And we prayed for three different people. One was an atheist and she got healed and her friend said to her, I told you God was real. One guy, I prayed for his knee and a shoulder and they both got healed in that area. They were believers. And it was really encouraging to see God start to heal on that day. This was the Caribbean island of St. Thomas. So you can imagine what confidence that does when we start to see it. We'd seen 16 days of moving. We'd had a year of learning and reading and applying and believing. But then we started to apply it because we didn't want to live in religion, form without power. We wanted it fresh every day and we wanted to be hungry and humble to learn and grow. So we started just going shopping in the town. It was a cool town and we just went there, wanted to buy a few things. I went into a shop and I asked the lady if she had knee pain. And I think I said left knee, but she said both knees are sore. And I said, can I pray for you? And there was a person behind me and she said, not yet. So I waited patiently for her. We've got to learn honor and sensitivity in this process as well. So when the customers left, I grabbed her hands and I said, I'm going to pray for you. I knelt down on the ground, put both hands on her knees. And I said, in the name of Jesus, pain go. I'll tell you what happened. I grabbed her hands and I helped her down and she rose up with no pain. She started crying and I shared the gospel with her. Another customer came in and I didn't actually lead her to the Lord, but I I shared Jesus with her and she was crying and it was phenomenal. Oh man, that was amazing. Then I went into another shop and there was a guy standing there and I said, hey, have you got neck pain? And I began to pray for him just in a moment and he stepped back and said, what's this? Is this witchcraft? And I said, what's going on, mate? And he goes, all the pain's gone. And he freaked out. And I said, no, no, this is Jesus. And I was a bit sad that he thought that it could only be witchcraft. So I just encouraged him that Jesus was real, but the pain left him. And then we went outside and we're going to put a picture up. The lady that you see now that we're hugging, she was, um, she was a character. Um, she was drunk and she said that she had, um, I think it was a broken ankle or a busted knee. Yeah, knee. And we started encouraging her around that um, the Holy Spirit is within us because she said that she was a new age healer. And I said, well, my spirit guide is the Holy Spirit and he heals people. Long story short, after sharing Jesus, we prayed for her and all the pain left. And you can see that photo of her and us. Um, And it was just an amazing encounter, just sharing Jesus and releasing healing. This other guy that you'll see pushing the wheelchair, he wasn't paralytic, but Lee prayed for him and he needed that wheelchair to get around because of back pain and severe ailment. Well, you can see that we caught him, did a sneaky little photo of him pushing his wheelchair home because Lee declared the pain to go. This was all in one day. And we just continued to minister to people and to see amazing things happen in that day. I had words of knowledge happen. I had incredible stuff happening and we were just 
shopping. So I want to encourage you, church, that this lifestyle is meant to be normal for everybody, not just for me, not just for those that you perceive has the gift or a pastor or a leader or those that have charisma or a sanguine. No, no, no. It's for everybody and it is for you. And I want to encourage you that this is for you and to go on a journey of understanding identity, of understanding the why not me, of understanding the plan of God, the will of God, the power and authority that he's given you and understanding prayer and declarations and understanding that this lifestyle requires humility and hunger and people around you to encourage you. God bless you and I'm excited for what is to come. Amen. Come on.